0: Sahana Bhavatu Sahana Bhunatu Sahavidyankaravahai Tejasvina Vadhita Purnasya Puramadaya Purnameva Vashesya Om Shanti 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 Shrutes Mradipuranam Halayam Karunalayam Naam Nibhagavat Shankaram Loka Shankaram Shankaram Shankaracharyam Kesavambadarayanam Sutra Bhashakruta Vande Bhagavanta Upunapunaham Swarogururatme De Murti Vedavibhagine Vyoma Dehaya Dakshina Murthaye Namaham Gukarastvandhakarascha Rukarastan Nivartakaha Andhakara Nirodhittvad Guru Ritya Vidhiyate Sadashiva Samaram Bham Madhyamam Asmadacharya Paryantam Vanday Guru Param Param Amaritvamadam Bhitvam Amaritvamadam Bhitvam Ahimsa Akshantirarjavam Acharya Upasanam Shaucham Ayamatma Vinigra, Sariamatma Anahankara Evacha Evacha Janmamra Tujaravyadi darshanam Asatirana Bhishvangaha, Uttradhara Guru Hadeshu, Nityan Chasamachit समचित्तत्वम्। tiravya bicharini sevitvam bicharini samsade paratarjana samsade nityatvam Etadhyanamiti praktam Etadhyanamiti praktam Eta Adhyanam yadato nyata Adhyanam yadato nyata Nityan tisamachittatvam Ishta nishto vapattishu When one encounters situations that are desirable or undesirable, favorable or unfavorable, Samchittatum, sameness of the mind. As I said, Lord Krishna gives this teaching, Upadesha, again and again in Bhagavad Gita. Sister Lord Krishna, Sukhadukhe, Samekrtva, Labha, Labhu, Jaya, Jaya, Tato, Yuddha, Yuddhasva. Here, Juna, before you engage into the battle, may you make sure that your mind is even with reference to Jaya and Parajaya, which are victory and defeat with reference to gain and loss, with reference to happiness and unhappiness, pleasure and pain, may look upon all of these as equal. Nobody can look upon victory and defeat as equal. Nobody can look upon gain and loss as equal. They are not equal. So, whether, whereas they are not equal from one standpoint, still when Lord Krishna says, may look upon them as equal, that shows that in these apparently unequal looking things, there is something equal. <laughs> And that is where Lord Krishna says, focus your attention to that, which is equal, and this apparently unequal things. As I said, what is equal in everything is nothing but Lord himself, because he is the very essence of everything. Like the gold is the essence of every ornament, which are all unequal from the standpoint of their forms and their names, but equal from the standpoint of their content. And similarly, pleasure and pain, gain and loss, victory and defeat, whatever comes. A devotee looks upon them as a the lord coming before him in different ways, or different costumes. And thus we can say that each one of them is nothing but a lord presenting himself in all these various forms. So he comes sometimes as victory, sometimes he comes as defeat, sometimes he comes as success, sometimes he comes as failure. <clears throat> if the form is not important, and if I can pay attention to the one who is wearing that form, this is possible. In short, bring God into your life. This is what it means while confronting every situation, bring, bring God, because is there. Samoham sarabhuteshu namet Again, Lord Krishna says, I equally abide in all the beings. I have no, no I have no aversion for anybody. I don't have favor for anybody. I equally abide and inform everything. And therefore, in success also I am there, in failure also I am there. <coughs> this may be difficult to see, so we said that, alright, look upon this as coming from the Lord. Look upon this as his prasada, that this is his, his grace. So success also is grace to the Lord, failure also is the grace of the Lord. How can it be Swamiji? Well, depends upon what it is that we are looking for in life. All of this, of course, calls for a certain clarity of what it is that we are seeking in life. If it is clear to us, because understand that all of these are values told to us with ref in the context of knowledge. If knowledge is what we are seeking, it is clear to me that what I am seeking is knowledge and that knowledge is the most valuable thing. And to gain that knowledge then, the purity of the mind then is a means for gaining that knowledge and therefore a purity of mind then becomes most important to me. Then, It is not important in what, what the situation is. If the situation can bring about a purity of mind and that's all that I'm seeking. So understand, this is the attitude of a devotee. To accept whatever comes as coming from the Lord, to accept it as prasada, accept it as grace, is the attitude of a devotee. Who has an implicit faith that grace is involved, the Lord is of the nature of grace. And therefore whatever he does is nothing but grace. (coughs) Swamiji, but then, then, doesn't should my experience. This is just a matter of faith. You know. Until we recognize this as a reality, it is a matter of faith. But then, but can you prove it Swamiji? I can't prove it. But you can't prove the other way around also. You can't prove also that there is no grace. Nor can you perhaps prove that there is grace only. Because we have our own definition of what is meant by grace. When everything is going on well and everything is going on, you know, favorable to me, I have no difficulty in seeing grace of the Lord. You know, Swami no Some people say I accept God because I know He always listens to my prayers. He does whatever I want Him to do. But sometimes when we decide not to do it, also in that case, then uh, so. Therefore, a, a devotee is the one who, rather than defining what the grace is looks upon whatever comes as Christ. And so, this is the attitude, that one, because we want to know God ultimately understand. Knowledge means knowing God, and ultimately knowing God as a self. But the first step or first phase is to know God as everything. And second stage then is to know Him as my own self. So basically values are to know Him as everything, as a manifestation. The whole universe is a manifestation of Lord, he is a creator, he is a sustainer, he is a dissolver. And so whatever comes, comes from him. He alone comes as a matter of fact. Or you can say, whatever comes to me, all comes from him. So it is this Prasada Buddhi, this very attitude of looking upon everything as grace of God, is the means of maintaining samatvam or evenness of the mind. And continuing the same idea, Lord Krishna in the 10th verse says, yogena bhakti the next value is Bhakti. So the Vedanta is Bhakti. Devotion is a means of knowledge. And so, it's very clear here. Lord Krishna is prescribing several values. And one of the values that is prescribed is Bhakti, is devotion. Meaning clearly thereby that, devotion is the means of knowledge. <coughs> what kind of bha- devotion or Bhakti? An unserving devotion. Avya Bhakti. An unswerving devotion, a devotion that does not swerve. As we just said, a devotion that does not swerve because things are not favourable to me. So, my devotion for Lord can remain as long as things are favourable to me, but then when they are not favourable to me, the devotion goes away. Unswerving devotion meaning that not making any demands upon God, this is what it means. Lord Krishna says, don't make any demand upon me, give me the freedom. So, give him the freedom. To decide what what should be the result of the action, let him, let him have the freedom. To decide what the result, when the result should come, you know, so what to create, when to create, how to create, what to do, give him the freedom. Then God you see, what is meant by love? Love is giving the freedom to the one whom I love. Accepting what is meant by love is accepting the object of my love as the person is. If there is a person, then accepting that person. Give you the freedom, not making demands upon them, not trying to control them, not trying to manipulate them. Some people say the Hindus are all the time, you know, performing all the rituals and making offerings to the Lord and manipulating God. So, manipulating God, we are children and therefore we have the right to ask for God also. Nothing wrong in it. And so, yes, we have all the right to ask God and therefore we can pray to him to please favor me, nothing wrong in it. But then a better way of asking will be, that you decide what is best for me. Rather than my deciding what is best for me and then asking him, it is I think more practical or more, I mean smarter, to let him decide because he is omniscient, he is all-knowing. He knows what is good for me. Because in a given situation, what looks good for me, from my standpoint, may not turn out to be good for me at a later time and place. Is not so, has it not happened very often in our own life that, what we thought is most desirable. After 5-10 years in hindsight I, I realized that, that was, you know, I wish I had not asked for it. I wish I had not done it. And therefore, rather than making decisions about our own life. See, this is a devotee. Rather than making decisions about my own life, I let him make the decision. I place myself at his disposal. So, placing myself at his disposal. Giving him the benefit of doubt. Not making any demand upon him. This is called... Ishraddha and Bhakti. All of this happens in course of time. Not that it happens right away. This is a value. Means that it is to be cultivated in course of time. But if this is the... Then you know, you can imagine the freedom that you enjoy. When I have to take the responsibility, stress is always go with responsibility. When I am responsible for something, there is always a stress. Because I don't know whether the decision I am making is right or not, and you know, that is... So, responsibility means stress. Give him the responsibility. Then there is no stress. Of course, then it means also that I have to live with mean, I, I should gladly accept whatever uh, his decision is. <clears throat> and so, this is called Sharanagati. Surrender, taking refuge into the Lord. So, Lord Krishna teaches the Sharanagati. He teaches us the surrender. Sarva-dharman-parityajya, mam-ekam-sharanam-raja. Give up all your other pursuits, give up all your other agendas and let me become the only agenda. He wants the highest place in our life. He wants to be the only one in our life and He doesn't want anybody else to be in our life. Again, in course of time, that is what is meant by agyavicharani bhakti An unswerving devotion. Ananya Yogena Yoga means joining. Ananya-yoga the devotion that is not joined to anything else. So here Shankaracharya explains Ananya-yoga as an unswerving conviction. An unswerving conviction that there is no one other than the Lord. That he is the only refuge, he is the only goal or he is the only end in my life. There is no better end than Vasudeva or the Lord. And he is the only end. He is the only one and the only goal only end. This kind of a conviction is called Ananya Yoga. And unswerving devotion means that slowly and slowly my devotion which at the moment is scattered into many things. person loves his wife also, loves his child also, loves many other things also and loves God also. So he may be one of the objects of love to begin with. But in course of time that love slowly and slowly which is scattered in many places gets gathered. And ultimately gets focused on only one. namely Lord. This will be called a Ananya Yoga also. That means he is the only one who I am devoted to. And nobody else. See this is the goal of the devotion. And if we have this in mind. And then, then slowly. Someday we can achieve that. So says here. So. My Bhagavati Vasudeva Parameshwara Bhakti. Bhakti. See devotion also it is said. That when the devotion is. ...accompanied with or preceded by the knowledge, then it will be a, a mature devotion or an unswerving devotion. There's a verse which says, Mahatma Jnana Purvastu Sudradaha Sarvatodhikaha Sneha Bhakti Rikhyadaha Sneha, affection or love is called devotion. What kind of love? Sudradaha that which is firm. Sarvato dhikaha, that which is greater than for anyone else. And how did this love arise? By knowing the glories of the Lord. So, by knowing the glo- by knowing his greatness. By knowing the greatness of the Lord, the love that arises in my heart, becomes sudradha, becomes firm, and slowly it becomes one. That is greater than the love that I have for anyone else. So that kind of love is called bhakti, and that is the means of knowledge and liberation. And so in our life, for devotion, it is necessary also to learn about the greatness of the Lord. Some people say, Swamiji, I, I repeat, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, but then um, I don't have any devotion in my heart. What should I do? Well, listen to his glories. Learn about his greatness. Learn about the greatness of the Lord. So that is where listening to the glory is, that's where the shravanam comes around, know? listening to his Leela. Whatever God you want to worship, whoever ishta Devada is, then familiarize yourself with ishta Devada. Meaning that, listen to him, listen to his greatness. <clears throat> that's what all the scriptures do, all the Puranas do that, even Vedas, Bhagavad Gita also does the same thing. All it sings is the greatness of the Lord. And except that here Lord himself sings his greatness, that's a different thing. But Bhagavad-gita also describes in many places the glories or greatness of the Lord. Here, Arjuna, the light that is in the sun and that is in the moon and that is in the fire, the light that illumines the whole world, know that to be my light. Know that I am shining in the sun, I am shining in the moon, I am shining in the fire, and I am illumining the whole world. Gama vishyate bhutani dharyami aham Entering this earth, entering this world, it is by my strength of the power that I am sustaining the whole universe. I am the one that sustains everything. It is by my power, or by mighty rule, that everything is where it is. That the sun is in its own place, the moon is in its own place, Earth is in its own place, the heavens in its own place, everything in its own place. There will somebody who holds the sun there, it doesn't fall down. I mean, like a child, we can ask this question. But then, don't you know this one is all, these are all laws of nature. But that is, that's what it is, that I'm, in fact, uh, I'm the one that sustains the whole universe as it is. It is under my command that every element of the universe functions, that it does not transgress the duty that is assigned to it, and that it does exactly what it is meant to do and therefore the fire will burn, the sun will shine, the water will cool, the earth will support, all of them will perform their duty. It's not that today today earth says, okay, I'm not in a mood and therefore let everybody will fall down, doesn't happen. Someday the sun is not in a mood to wake up early and therefore he says, I'll go about a couple of hours late, that doesn't happen. There is no casual living, there is no French or no such thing, you know, in the nature. Everything unswervingly performs its duty. We observe all of this. As in Mahimna Sutra says, look at, Lord, look at these fellows who don't, they don't realize your glories which are very evident. That the, constantly the creation, sustenance, resolution is going on. That's nothing but your glory. So the glories are all evident, it's only people who are either blind or who are thick-headed, they alone fail to appreciate you. <coughs> and so learn about his glories. <coughs> I am the one seated in the stomach of all the living beings at a digestive fire. I am the moon as the very principle of water or the very principle of rasa or the sap that I transform myself in the form of all the plants and vegetables and become your food. So food also I am, the digestifier also I am. I am seated in your heart as your very self. The memory that you have is because of me. The knowledge that you have is because of me. That you can forget things and forgive and forget, that also is due to me. Everything is due to me. I am the intelligence of the intelligent and I am the brilliance of the brilliant. I am the strength of the strong. In this way the glory to the Lord our greatness evident every moment in our life. In fact, He completely informs my life. Every moment and everything that is there in my life is nothing but pervaded by the Lord. It's a matter of seeing this. <coughs> this seeing of course requires the scripture that teachers, no doubt, but then it is when you see this greatness. As Swami would say that every moment we are enjoying the grace of the Lord. That my heart is throbbing, that's the grace of the Lord. That I am breathing that is the grace of the Lord that I'm walking talking eating, drinking, seeing hearing all of this is the grace of the Lord and then if we don't take these things for granted and recognize for what, what they are for what they are, we can appreciate his grace flowing in our own life whole life just because I did not get a job, therefore I start dismissing that's not right he gives millions of things to me he may not give a couple of things to me I leave that to but no what happens is my attention goes only to things that did not come to me. The desires that were not fulfilled. And all the desires that are fulfilled so far and everything that I have gained so far is of no consequence to me. Like the child forgets everything. Mom does not fulfill one desire. He says, Mom, I hate you. I hey, you, you know, you, what you are, because, because of your mom. But then he forgets. It. And soon also, we also tell, you know, I hate you and you are, where are you, what? So, Recognizing the greatness of the Lord, recognizing His grace in our life, recognizing what He is. As Vedanta says, He is the Abhinna Nimittu Karanam. He is the very creator. He is the very creation. He is one without a second. He alone is the self of all. He is the one His inner ruler and rules and controls everything. The Upanishads are full of describing the glories of the Lord. Yes, sarvajna Yes Mahima Bhavi the one who is omniscient and all-knowing and it is this Mahima, the greatness of the glory alone is evident in the, in the universe this is how Mundaka says <clears throat> So Mahatma Jnana Purava It is true that if the devotion is after knowing the glory, the greatness of the Lord then that is going to be a lasting devotion then I will not, you know, then devotion I will not get shaken up by small events in my life I recognize that this is a small thing and thus, unswerving devotion—the devotion that you can say unconditional devotion. I don't put any conditions upon him. Let him do whatever he wants to do. Let him. Let me give him the freedom. That's what is it not so? When we take refuge into somebody, we always give them the freedom because we are quite assured that I am enjoying that protection, like a child sitting in the lap of the mother, has the assurance that the mother takes care of everything. Never. Uh, is totally rest assured. The mother may not do everything that the child wants. Sometimes the child is, you know, moment child comes and sits in the lab, then mother pulls out a napkin and starts, you know, cleaning the ears and stuff like that, you know. Or no, nose the Child doesn't like that. But anyway, it puts up with it, I guess, you know. Knowing that, there must be something in it, you know. Sometimes mother gives what the child wants, sometimes she doesn't give. And they fight, because they're a child. But if you grow up, then we know that well. Sometimes he will give me what I want. Sometimes he may not give me what I do not want. So rather than demanding what he does not give me, let me drop my demand. And that is how I bring. It brings about a complete transformation in me. This is called yoga. Yoga is to bring about a complete transformation in me, giving him the benefit of doubt. As Swami says that if you permit God, He is the greatest therapist. If you permit Him, if you permit Him to, you know, work with us. He's the greatest therapist, because his only agenda is to make sure that I I shape up, that's all. He's like a sculptor. The only agenda a sculptor has is to bring out that beauty which is inherent in a rock, which looks very rough and tough. And I don't see any beauty in there, but the sculptor sees a beauty and he takes his chisel and hammer and starts doing his work. Looks like he's very cruel to the rock. What is he doing? If the rock has trust in the Sculptor, then allow the Sculptor to work on it. All the Sculptor does is to remove all the wailing, the necessary portion in the rock to bring out that beauty. And this is God's work, job. To bring out the beauty which is inherently there in me. Provided, I allow him. If the rock suppose turns his face away, then perhaps instead of instead of being shaped, it may get broken also. And similarly also, Sometimes we do not cooperate in this process and therefore, instead of being shaped in our life, we get broken down. Some we them burnt out. It can happen. But as I said, Bhakti means an implicit trust in Lord. In acceptance that there is God, He is a creator. Swami, what's the definition of God? He is a creator, sustainer, dissolver. As Vedanta says, He is a creator as well as creation. Meaning that the creation is not apart from the creator. This, in some days, this will become a reality for me. But in the beginning, I accept it in faith, because it makes sense also. So what is accepted in faith, in course of time, becomes a reality. So Lord Krishna says, Shraddhavan levhate jnanam. One way Shraddha, or implicit faith, and everybody gains a knowledge. In fact, the very faith and the trust, gets transformed into knowledge. And so this Bhakti, devotion to the Lord, is presented here as an important value. Ultimately, devotion is for a Vedantin. I am devoted to the Lord, not even is different from me. Ultimately, in the beginning, Lord is different from me. But Swami, you are talking about non-duality. You say, Tatva you are Brahman. That means God, you are not separate from God. Then who is worshipper and who is worshipped? This question is standard question asked every time. The idea is that, Right now, what is my experience? Right now, my experience is that I am not God. Swami, are you God? Not at all. That's why I'm very clear about that. As long as I'm clear that I am not God, that means that so far God is different from me. And so far, then, until then, I remain a devotee and he remains God. Well, we, we hope to adopt that kind of a devotion that ultimately erases this duality. We can take up a way of devotion, which sustains the duality or we can take up a devotion that slowly erases the duality. That alone is called yoga. That while functioning the realm of duality, in course of time, I grow out of duality. And this is bhakti. Bhakti means devotion and devotion is not an action, It is not devotion, nothing but the very the love or the spirit that I have, that is called devotion and then it gets manifest in whatever it is that I do in course of time. <coughs> if this devotion is not there, we should make an effort to cultivate that devotion. Then perform a the specific kind of action so that the devotee is invoked. What Lord Krishna says that, May the devotee be invoked from me all the time. Yat Karoshi, Yad Yad Radasi, Yad kaunteya, Tat Yat Karoshi Yadeva Karoshi Arjuna Whatever you do. Whatever you eat. Whatever you offer in the fire as, as the offering to the Devada. Whatever you give in charity. Whatever austerities you perform. In short whatever it is that you do may you do it in such a way that it becomes an offering to me. When can it become an offering to the Lord? When the devotee is invoked in me. Meaning that throughout the day in whatever you do Try to invoke the devotee within you. The devotee is there. It is inherently there. It has to be invoked. And for that, this attitude of bhakti by which invokes the devotee in me. Swamiji doesn't happen, but in my day-to-day activities, I get so uh, influenced or impacted by what is around that I forget that I am a devotee. Therefore, they recommend that in court, during the day, you set aside a certain time so that you can invoke the devotee from within you. And that is where this puja, the worship, you know, the forms of worship comes. Every culture has its own forms of worship. And of course, the Vedic culture provides, it's very rich in providing us different forms of worship. Different shtadevatas, whatever suits me, whichever way I can delay. But they have established a relationship with the Lord. And... Make an offering to the Lord. So, love always requires a relationship. When there is a relationship, then love is involved. So, when the sister is there, the brother is involved. When brother is there, sister is involved. When mother is there, son or daughter is invoked. And so, also, when the relationship is established, then the devotee gets (coughs) involved. And so, the whole Bhagavad Gita is full of this anyway. But the idea is that this bhakti, the devotion is presented here by Lord Krishna is a value leading to knowledge. <coughs> and In course of time, Abhivicharani Bhakti then Bhakti or the devotion becomes unswerving Ananyogena and Ananyoga also can be understood as ultimately the Lord is worshipped as my own self. That's the Vedantins' Bhakti. If you look at Viveka Chudamani then Shankaracharya defines Bhakti. Viveka Chudamani Bhakti can have no relation. Viveka Chudamani is, is nothing but a Ganagor Vedanta. <laughs> And what bhakti has to do with Vedanta? I I, am very surprised. But then Sankarajara says, moksha kana samagram bhakti-reva-gariyasi or moksha sadhana samagram bhakti-reva-gariyasi. Among all the means leading to moksha, bhakti, the devotion is the most important. What is that devotion? swasvarūpāna-sandhāram bhakti-ritya-bhiriyate deliberating or contemplating upon the nature of the self is called devotion. So, ultimately, devotion is seeking the Lord as my own self. And that's the kind of devotion that Vedantins like. tasse shatma Tanam Swam, Says, Kathopanishad, Armandokopanishad. That one who chooses a Lord in one's life, he gets chosen by the Lord. And the Lord reveals his nature to this devotee. So, what we have to do is... Not worry about how to gain the knowledge of God, don't worry about those things Swamiji, he is beyond the mind and beyond the speech and don't bother about that. All we need to do is just worship him, choose him. He becomes the only object goal in my life. There is no other goal that remains. Otherwise we have so many goals. As Swamiji says sometimes, you know, this fellow wants moksha as well as helicopter. (laughs) So he wants moksha, plus he wants other material stuff also. And thus we are devotees of many things. And Lord doesn't like that. He says, okay. Have, you know, therefore He says, if you finish all your other priorities. Have a helicopter, have whatever you want. He doesn't like any kind of competition. That means he's pretty jealous. And therefore He doesn't want anybody else in our life. He wants to occupy our heart solely. And as long as there is somebody else or something else in my heart, as long as I love something else, He says, okay, I'll wait. And therefore, abhyapiccharani bhakti. When nothing else remains as the as the object of love in my heart, meaning I do not want anything else in my life. <clears throat> all of this is great thing, you know. But this is the goal, and a constant exposure to the teaching, a constant. We will come to that later on. Anjyatmagnyan nityatvam. All the time. So, constant exposure to the teaching or a constant association with the teaching, all of that helps us. To remind us all the time as to what the objective is, what the goal is, what the means is and so bhakti, an unswerving devotion to the Lord. <coughs> then Vivitta Desha Sevitvam. Repairing, the disposition of repairing to a quiet place. That's also presented by Lord Krishna as a value here. Vivikta desha sevitvam. Vivikta. Vivikta means vivikta desha. Desha means a place. Vivikta means quiet or clean or isolated. So, vivikta desha means a place of solitude. Or also a place that is clean or pure. So, word vivikta in fact implies both of this. Vivikta means that, that which is devoid of company of anybody else, which means that it is a place of solitude, which is free from all the disturbances. At the same time, a place which is clean and pure by nature also. So, when we define, when we explain the word vivikta as clean or pure, repairing to a pure place, meaning that a disposition, a liking for a place which is pure and clean. This is because of the recognition of the fact that the place has an influence upon our mind. So, time, place, everything has an influence upon our mind. And therefore, choose a place which is conducive to creating a favorable impression on the mind. <coughs> and also a place that is free from all other disturbances. Here it is also said that, so Sarva Vyagraha a place like that can be a forest. It can be a bank of a river, it can be a cave, it can be a temple, it can be a place like that which is clean and pure by nature. At The same time that which is free from other disturbances. But when you go to forest and make sure that it is free from the tigers and snakes and stuff like that also, it is not only enough that it is an isolated place or a quiet place, but that it is free from any of this so that there is no fear in the mind. Otherwise all the time you know, you are always scared and suddenly the mind cannot be concentrated. And the place that is free from all kinds of fearful objects, place that is free from other kind of disturbances, mosquitoes and things are not there, because we get disturbed by all of this. And so a place which is anukul, which is favorable, conducive, quiet, free from other disturbances, free from distractions, and hopefully a clean and a pure place, because it will have a corresponding impact on my mind. Therefore, as I said, so the Mahatma and Rishikesh tell us that if you utter Om Namah once in Rishikesh, that is equivalent to uttering it hundred times in Bombay. <laughs> <laughs> the idea is that number one in a place like Rishikesh that you can maintain that composure of the mind. At the same time Rishikesh meaning Himalayas is a place where the sages and saints have been there for hundreds of years, thousands of years they have lived there and perform finances and therefore that place also gathers a certain kind of an impact. They call it vibration. Whatever they call it, you know. But anyway, every place has a certain characteristic. Is it not so? Can you imagine yourself sitting in the midst of Times square and then deciding, Om Namah Shiva. It can't work. <laughs> because that's, the place is going to have an impact. Unless you are a of course. Unless you are a person of such a control that you are totally impervious to influence of anything around you. But until then, Until then, we always require something that is conducive or favourable to us. So choose a place which is clean. The place that is pure. The place that is isolated. Why does Lord Krishna say that? Because this is a place which is conducive to the contemplation upon the self. Important thing is to contemplate upon the self. See, when I'm in... uh, I am in an isolated place, not in company of other people. Lord Krishna also says, vivikta deshe ca No, this is the kaivalyopanisha vivikta deshe ca sukhasana vivikta deshe in a place of solitude. Or oh, Lord Krishna says, yogi yunjita sadatam atmanam hai." Remaining in rahas meaning in ekanta remaining in solitude, may you focus your mind upon your own self may you contemplate upon your own self. So some people are really scared of this Ekanta, they're scared of solitude. You know because what happens in solitude, I have nothing else to do. I have no other occupation. I don't have any distraction. And therefore, I am required to confront myself. So, this confronting one's own self. Swami, what's the big deal about it? But there's a big deal. To face myself, to confront myself, to be able to understand myself also is something very important because I have been avoiding that. If you look at the most of the activities that we are doing, and these activities can be classified as what we call escape distractions. Many of these means of entertainment that I have, many lots of friends I have, a lot of company I have, a lot of activities I have. Very often these activities are just to keep my mind engaged. Because if I don't have an activity, I just get bored and I just get crazy. And therefore, I must somehow keep my mind engaged. If nothing else, there is at least TV, there is at least telephone, there is at least this, something or the other. It is very difficult for me to enjoy even a few minutes of quietude or time with myself. Even though I work hard during the day and come home to relax, I can't relax. For a couple of minutes I can relax and I want some activity. I want to watch TV, I want to read newspaper, I want to do something it is very difficult. You know the story of that that Sadhu who was sitting in the temple just silent doing nothing. What's the big deal about remaining silent and doing nothing? In this, this temple there was this Sadhu who would come in the morning sit in front of the Lord close his eyes and do nothing. And for not doing anything this Sadhu every day was given One measure of rice from the temple. So at the noon time, they offer rice to the Lord and that prasada is distributed to all those people who are associated with the temple and it was written in the charter that one measure must be given to this sadhu who comes every day and does nothing. So then there was a change of management and a new manager came. He was looking at all the things that are happening in the temple. What are the expenses and what are we doing? Then he discovered that this fellow, this sadhu was getting one measure of rice for doing nothing. He says, stop it. How can you give him something for doing nothing? And so, it was stopped. So, next day the sadhu came. He, he, was, he was... This was the only source of the food that he had. He did not get anything. He went home. Next day he came, he didn't get anything. And then he went to the office to inquire, what's the matter? How come I have not been getting my daily share of uh, rice? He says, look, the new manager has come. And he has said that you don't get anything. Why? Because you don't do anything. He says, well, let your manager come and, you know, let him also not do anything. Let me see how he does it. <laughs> so this was reported to the manager. manager. Manager says, what's the big deal? Yes, I can sit there. I cannot. Not doing anything is simple. And so he also came next day. The sadhu is seated here and quiet, not doing anything. And this fellow also came and he seated quietly for a few seconds. And then he started looking around. So that sadhu says, Don't look around. Just keep your eyes closed. He started doing something with his fingers. Don't do anything. Started shifting his legs. Don't shift your legs. Just remain quiet. It took three minutes for this man to recognize that it is not possible to remain quiet. It is not possible to be silent. It is not so not easy at all to be with myself. And then... He told these people, from, tomorrow, from today, give him two measures of rice. Yeah. From one, give him two Because not doing something is so difficult. So when Lord Krishna says a disposition, to repair to quiet places or places of solitude where I am by myself, ka ke chitta atma, Lord Krishna also says, ka ke not carry all your friends and things like this, by yourself. That means that my mind has now no distraction, my mind has no escape distraction, no, you know, and then the mind has to face itself, it has to confront itself. It may be difficult to do this for 24 hours a day, but at least that is why we can start doing this for some time every day, that at least we can repair to a quiet place, we can repair to a place of solitude. But Swami, where am I going to go? I mean, you know, I, where do I go? I'm busy from morning till evening. Where do I have time to go to a quiet place? Doesn't matter. Find out, you know, make a quiet place in your own home. Where is quietude in my home, Swamiji? Mom and these children wake up and the, that's it. There is no... Doesn't matter. Choose a time when nobody has woken up. Or choose a time when everybody has gone to sleep. Some, there was some, some time must be there when there is quietude, And choose a corner of your house. Where? Which is reserved only for this purpose. So that is why a puja room is there or a puja corner is there, where the only thing that we do is puja. Puja means worshipping Lord, meditating upon Lord, prayer to the Lord. That's all we do. Have your own asana. The question was Swami why do they say that we should have our own asana? That also Lord Krishna says, asanam atmanah. You should have your own seat. Use that. Don't let anybody use that seat. Let them use their own, use their own mala. Whatever it is, let, you know, here you can be a little bit self-centered. You need not be too generous about it, you know. And so, keep your own mala, keep your own seed, keep your own things, keep your own books. So what happens is that, when we do this, these prayers every day, in a given place, then again that place also gathers a certain kind of atmosphere. So that, we get the benefit of that place. That's the purpose of coming to the temple. The temple has a certain atmosphere when we come here, we feel peaceful. Swami, when we come to Guru Kalam. it's so peaceful. When you sit in front of Lord Dakshinavadi, it's so peaceful. That's the. it doesn't happen right away. Many people have been praying here and that's how this place also gathers, you know, a certain kind of atmosphere and that is how we benefit from that. And so in our home also, let there be a corner, let there be a place which is reserved only for this activity and nothing else. And don't use that asana for anything else. Don't spread it while you are eating food and things like that. Just use it only for your prayers. And don't use that place for any other activity. Uh, no eating, no drinking, no talking, no chatting, no gossip, nothing. Use it only for one purpose. So, my house is so small, what can I do? Still one corner, one corner in the house. This habit of repairing to a quiet place, to a quiet time, and having an appointment with myself is very important. In the beginning, it may be difficult. Of course, it requires so. Going to a quiet place, solitude requires a lot of learning. No doubt about that. We take for granted that you. You listen to the scriptures and you know basically what the scriptures are teaching. And you know also that basically I'm, I'm, my nature is silence is my nature. And whatever uh, noise is there is in my mind but then the self is of the nature of silence. And therefore an appointment with myself would be a very very rewarding thing. And so ultimately repairing to a silent place. So that one can contemplate upon the self. That place also has an influence on my mind and that is how this repairing to a quiet place, to a place of solitude, to a, a, a place which is clean, to a place which is pure or sacred. So sacred place that also is presented here as a value because it is a means of meditation. Meditation upon my own self, contemplation upon my own self contemplation upon what it is that I have learned. So we, we hear things. And then we must have time also to assimilate those things. It's not enough that we eat food but we must digest it also. So shravana is like eating, you know. But then it is also necessary that we should assimilate that. And for assimilation we require quietude. We require to be with ourselves and go over what it is that we have heard and what it means and what it means to my life. So understand that this is what we have to do. As Lord Krishna says, uddharet atmana atmanam. May one lift oneself up by oneself. Meaning that this teaching must be assimilated. And that does require a certain focus. It requires a focus. It requires that my mind is free from every other activity. That my mind is totally occupied with this. I take a statement. I take a verse. I take something. And I contemplate upon that. Or I take a statement from the teacher and contemplate upon that and see what does it mean to me, what does it mean in my own life. So all this contemplation, assimilation is very important and for that what we call meditation is very important and for that this place also is important and for that a nature, that we cultivate a nature that we repair to a quiet place. Every day for a certain time, maybe a day in a week Maybe a week in, a, in six months. Maybe a few a month in a year. Something like that. A partial withdrawal. Don't right away go into a solitary know for one week because one may get crazy. And so, do it slowly and slowly until the mind gets used to it and starts enjoying it. And then we can slowly stretch the periods of this quietude you know? But that is also an important value. And, aratihi, jana samsadi. No longing for the company of the people. The lack of delight, arati. arati, means delight. Delighting in company of the people. Lord Krishna says, not delighting in the company of the people. What do you mean me, not delighting in company of the people? Meaning that, not seeking the company of people. That also means that, may you develop a certain amount of freedom and independence. Right now I get bored and then I am I'm, I, I'm seeking company of the people. There is something that is going on in my mind and I have to say it to somebody and I seek the company of people. So today, the company of people is very important to me. Because there are things within my mind, you know, within my heart and they must come out and therefore, I am seeking somebody to talk to. Or sometimes just enjoy talking and gossiping. Sometimes I enjoy also criticising other people. All of this is, you know, they are not the pastimes that we have. Only because we do not know what to do with ourselves and therefore, It has become a habit of just passing time, talking, gossiping, criticising, etc. So Lord Krishna says, Aratihi, lack of delight in all of this. When Lord Krishna says lack of delight in the company of people, it doesn't mean that I should not like people. It doesn't mean that I run away from people. It means that my association with the people must be such that it becomes conducive to my pursuit. So, Lord Krishna, describing his devotees, says, mat ha, mat ha, parasparam. He says, when my devotees met with each other, then I am the subject matter of the discussion. Nityam. And when some jignasu or some aspirant comes to them, then they talk about me. This is fine. As long as what we are talking about has relevance to what it is that we are speaking, so long it's fine. But the mind has a tendency to engage into these useless activities and whiling away the time. At the same time, see, what we talk and what we hear also has an impact upon our mind. And so Lord Krishna says that stay away from all these unnecessary talking, unnecessary contacting with the people. (coughs) Here, of course, Shankarajara says this, avoiding company of the people, meaning avoiding company of those people who are samskar shunyanam, who are not cultured. Avinitanam who are not, who do not have humility. Kalahonmukhitachittana, those people who are given to disputing and given to quarrels. So quarrelsome people, people who are not cultured, people who are not, don't have the shraddha and the bhakti, avoid company of those people. That means it is important that we choose our company. We should choose a company which has a favorable uh, impact upon me. I choose company of the like-minded people, people who also are aspirants. Therefore, from them I can learn, with them I can discuss. And those who have a positive impact upon my mind, seek that. Satsanga is always good. So, if you have to, you can give up all the association. But if you cannot give association, always seek association with good people. sadmihi <laughs> you must always associate with good people, with, with the, the people who can have a positive impact upon you. Satam Sangohi hibheshyam It is said that association with good people is the cure of everything. And so Shankaraja recommends satsangatve nissangatvam that you must seek satsanga, meaning company of good people, company of wise people, company of learned people, company of those who reinforce your values. Because sometimes you talk with the people and they are such, they don't believe in God. They don't have any trust, they don't have any faith and they shake you up. In the beginning when we are listening to Vedanta and we are still ourselves not very clear. And then when you discuss with these fellows, what did your Swamiji tell you? Oh, God is benevolent? Where is God? Where is benevolence? How do you say God is kind? In five minutes, you know, you may have heard Swamiji for one, one hour and a sudden impact may be created. In two minutes, that fellow can wipe out everything. Because to invoke rajas and tamas is easy. To invoke sattva is very difficult. We have sattva, rajas and tamas all in ourselves. To invoke tamas is the easiest. To invoke rajas, rajas and bhoga To invoke the spirit of enjoyment and pleasure is relatively easy. To enjoy the spirit or to invoke the spirit of breaking and, you know, hurt, that is even easier. That's the reason why in all these camps, you know, it's very easy to make the young people invoke the tamas in them. Invoke all the the, the, the lowest instinct that are there, invoke them, it's easy. And all the holdings and billboards and advertisements that we have are all invoking bhoga-buddhi, that pleasure-seeking mind within myself, these are all easy to invoke sattva. Invoke that purity from me, invoke the devotion in me, invoke the shraddha in me, invoke the jignasa, the desire to know in me is very difficult. Therefore, we should select company of those who invoke those kind of things from me. So, whereas Lord Krishna says that you should avoid the company of the people who can have a negative impact upon you, it also means that you can seek the company of those people who have a positive or a favorable impact upon you. Because as the association, so is the influence upon the mind. Until, of course, you gain a maturity, yeah. when you are pretty clear and very firm in what you are, and that you are not liable to be influenced by others, then it's okay. But as long as I am liable to be influenced, so long, I will always seek out positive influence. So that is what is meant by aratahi jana samsadi. Aratahi, a lack of delights from seeking company of the people who are as I said who can create a negative influence upon me and seeking company of those who would create a positive influence upon me. So this is also presented as a value for knowledge. So what does company have to do with knowledge? What does space have to do with the knowledge? But the place is conducive to knowledge. Companies also conducive to knowledge. Therefore, they are presented here as the values. <coughs> okay. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vasasyade Om Shanti Shanti Shanti, Shanti shankaram shankaraacharyam keshavam Badarayanam sutra bhashya krutau vande bhagavantau punah punah ishvaro gurur aatme murti bheda vibhagine vyoma dehaya Lakshya murtye namaha o Shanti Shanti Hari Om Shri